Hey gang, it is Sean and Dylan from The Drop Zone. Today we have one of our favorite interviews. It is with Joel Damon from the Genesis Invitational. We were podcasting from the Genesis all week long. We talked to Joseph Bramlett. We talked to one of the Genesis execs. We talked to Jeff Shackelford about the course. And lastly, we talked with Joel Damon about life on tour. And he gave us a bunch of interesting stuff. I was kind of blown away with how he ended up finishing throughout the week. We had a lot of fun tracking him. What did you really love about the interview? I mean, just about everything. We wanted to focus in not just on, okay, here are the cliche questions that Joel is asked in basically every interview. Yeah. But we wanted to really get to, okay, what kind of insight can we get from a thoughtful, you know, honest, earnest guy who mm. spends his time on tour, whose whose time on tour has never been a guaranteed thing? And what's it like to ascend from, you know, a struggling mini tour guy, a guy who dropped out of college and yeah. had nothing guaranteed to, you know, a multimillionaire that's living the life week in, week out on tour. A guy who's got Mario Kart takes. Major takes and also one great prediction that you got to listen to (laughs) all the way to the end to hear. All I know is that we are going to end up doing a little Mario Kart action between him and me and hopefully Nick Taylor. Hopefully you get involved in that too later on this year. It needs to happen and I'm not going to go quietly about it. Beautiful. Here's Joel. All right, we're back at the Genesis Invitational with two former Canadian tour players. Whoa. One really panned out, the other <laughs> not so much. I'm sorry, Dylan, but we're here with Joel. Damon or Damon? It's no one Damon. Told, it's it's Damon. officially Damon, yeah. How many times do you get asked that? You know, it looks like Damon, so if you pronounce it that way, I'm okay with it. Mine is spelled Z-A-K, and everyone calls me Zach. It is pronounced Zach. No so. one has ever pronounced my name correctly, so yeah. Death or? fine. <laughs> Decher. Dethier. No, it's not. Yeah, yeah. I thought, it was, like, I thought it was Dethier. Yeah. Well, I'm like, not the only one. Yeah, well. Wow, you're fancy. I have one opening question, which is, why are you better than me? Ha! At golf. At golf, yeah, yeah. That's actually kind of a serious question, because what what is it? It's a really hard question. Um... I probably hit it a little bit straighter than you off the tee. Mm-hmm. So I'm never, hardly ever in trouble off the tee. And it's kind of hard to make bogeys after that. Because then you have to like screw up two shots, an iron shot and a bogeys. chip. I love that. Um, I mean, I find a way every week, obviously. But uh, man, what year do you, you played 2013 in Canada? Mm, 15. 15. I was just missed you by a year. I did read that story. That was a cool story. Thank you. This is why we invite guests on is to give me compliments. Uh, the story wasn't too long for you? Uh, I mean, I'm okay with the long form things these days. I remember reading it on a train and I was like, I ran out of time on a long train ride. You got your train stop before the the article was over? Yeah. All right. So you hit it a little straighter. It's hard Uh, to make bogeys. Yeah. I probably don't putt better than you. Okay. I'm sure I don't actually. Um, (laughs) Have you seen him lately? (laughs) I don't putt better than my caddy. So that's a problem. Uh, I don't know. I, I just, I hit it a little bit better than you. Yeah. Like consistently straight and always in play, hit a lot of greens. This is an ego boost for you, right? Uh, eh, I don't know. I think I'm kind of past I, that I point. I probably but don't I am hit it curious. further than you either. I am curious just like what is the difference between Joel Damon and Joe yeah. PGA Tour Canada player? I'm also curious how many times you get asked that question. What's the difference? What's the difference? Yeah, a couple of times. It's, it's a tough question. You'd see like a lot of guys who are good enough to make it out on tour. And probably the biggest thing is getting comfortable out here. Okay. It is so hard to get comfortable on the PGA Tour. Yeah. It is like this week is one of the best fields of the year. I mean, I think we have nine of the top 10 of the world. And yep. then, um, you know, you get some good sponsor invites as well. So it's just hard. Like you walk into the room like this morning, I was off early pro-am with all the cool people today. And I was like... Same tea time as Tiger. Yeah, I was just off the other side. So like I walk into the, the breakfast area and I'm like, do I sit with Rory? Do I sit with JT? I'm like, uh, I'm going to go sit with my rules official friends over here. <laughs> so like those things, like I'm still... Like I'm friendly with those guys, whatever, yeah. but... It's tough to be comfortable out here because, I don't know, it's kind of, I don't know if clicky is the right word, but it gets a little high school-ish. You walk into a cafeteria, like, where do I sit? Mm-hmm. Um, and so it takes a while to kind of feel all that out. And, and yeah. yeah, does it feel like there is a group of like, I don't know if cool kids is the right word, but 
guys that travel with, you know, you came here by yourself today, for example. You yes, don't have five handlers have with you. Handlers. I just yes. met you by, you know, the pro shop. Right. Does it feel like there's a group that is sort of the, I don't know if it's the top 15 players or the guys that are on TV the most that are exactly, on yeah. their own tour? Absolutely. There's like PGA tour and there's PGB tour. And then we're, <laughs> most of us are on the PGB tour. Um, Love that. The PGA tour. I mean, you get those top 10 in the world and those guys are just better, but then they have so much other stuff going on outside the ropes. The t- their, their, their demands on their time is so great. I'm just starting to sniff it a little bit this last year. Are you, you know, envious of that? In not way? one bit. I'm envious of their bank accounts, yeah. but I'm not envious of like, you know, when they go to dinner, they have to get the special room sometimes or they can't just rarely can they just like hop out, throw the keys of valet. Like everything has to be so well planned for them. And they, that's why you have four or five people around them. It'd be great to play that well and comp- be around the lead and, and win multiple times. But with that comes a lot of extra stuff. And well, how much are you willing to sacrifice basically cash wise for a very normal life? And there's a line there somewhere. I mean, there's a lot of guys though. Charles Howell III has made... He's made a hell of a life. 50 million, 40 million. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like incredible. even Kuchar's on the line where like, he doesn't really get recognized out. He probably gets recognized for Jim Furyk. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and, and there's another, there's a whole side of social media that's coming out now where everything you do is on social media or people put it out there for your, your management team or your, yeah. and it's so something. it's all worth something. And, um, the bigger you get, the more people you have to, to help you do all that. But I also book all of my hotels. I book all my flights. No kidding. I manage all the little things. My wife and I do all that all, and I still like doing that stuff. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I don't know. It's a it's you an interesting a level of like independence that is attractive. I guess certainly. Um, and I think my very humble beginnings, where I very blue collar, grow. You know, my dad was a mill worker, my mom was a school teacher. So, with that comes with kind of you know, I didn't grow up a country club kid per se. No. We didn't travel around all over the country playing in junior events. Um, so for me, like, I don't mind doing that stuff, but um, Corey Connors, I mean, he just made tour championship last. No one knows who he is. Yeah. Uh, I mean, those are, there's a fine line of tour championship, getting in all the majors, the WGCs, and you can still kind of be a nobody. Is there any discomfort with uh, coming from, you know, a humble background, blue collar background to this lifestyle where every week everything is really taken care of. You have a lot of money now. Yeah. Uh, does that take some adjusting to, or that's just all awesome? It takes some adjusting. Absolutely. I think you can easily forget where you came from or easily get wrapped up in this. I mean, um, I played in John Mallinger's foundation event on Monday this week. So he flew us all down in a massive jet from Pebble. Okay. Like that's incredible. It's the first yeah. time I've been on a couple of them. I never paid for one. So, but my, my wife's first time, it's like, sit down, what type of cocktail do you want? We have cheese and crackers and it's like, this thing is incredibly nice. So what type of cocktail did you want? I prefer tequila right now. I'm on a tequila kick. They didn't have oh, it. So I call it tequila because I cannot stand it. Oh, we should have brought some today, but I didn't think like the day before the tournament. Yeah, I, I probably would have said no. I've been on a nice little run for a couple of days. So I took Tuesday, Wednesday off of that, but I'm a tequila guy normally. Mm-hmm. But, so uh, yeah, so events like that are Those are, are unbelievable new. and those are all great. And then, you know, show up at the private whatever terminal and we are cars waiting for us and then we go to hotel and everything this week like this is a great week everybody there's so the the meals in the clubhouse are awesome this week in a way that is different than normal yeah like this is like prime rib and like oh boy like unbelievable stuff in there you know and and normally the food's fine but this is like this is one of the top five or six weeks of the year so so that's what keeps you coming back it's you know that, that yeah among other things i think the purse is high this week as well which is nice but it's it's easy to get wrapped up in this life, um, but it's my wife does a good job of humbling me. My caddy Gino is incredible at kind of keeping us grounded. And yeah. golf um, golf will humble you too at times. Uh, it it doesn't to. take long to shoot a seventy three or seventy four. A couple of missed cuts and uh, yeah. no one cares who you are anymore. So yeah, it's it's awesome. The perks out here are great. The bank account is growing all the time is incredible. But with that, like we still are pretty blue collar people, I'd say comparatively. I think you can see that you you have uh, you've been dubbed one of the best interviews in golf, which I find funny. Puts the pressure on for oh, this. Yeah, yeah, I know. Jeez, <laughs> I, I think you're just being yourself in a lot of cases. Yeah, I don't have anything to hide per se, or I guess I don't. I can relate to day to day people very well. I think like 
I have a beer after the round most of the time. When I'm at home, I prefer playing with a Bluetooth speaker and a couple beers and hanging out. Uh, I think in that sense, like, I love to wear jeans and a t-shirt and play golf. Like, that's pretty relatable to most people. Golf could use a little bit more of that. I absolutely think so. Um, You know, and every now and then I'll go up to Whisper Rock or Silverleaf and play those nice clubs. But walking on eggshells a little bit out there. Mesa Country Club, where I play, awesome. Tree-lined, play sixums. Um... As long as if you play in over four hours, you have to pay the bar tab that day. So everyone plays Love fast. That. No way. This is just a, it's like very simple, fun things. But then you get spoiled out yeah. here by playing Riv and all that stuff as well. So last week you played Pebble. You played mm-hmm. well. Yeah. T14. Uh, but someone you know played even better. Nick Taylor yeah. won. Former roommate of yours at UW. Uh, the thing that really came out of that for me, the news was that he's an incredible Mario Kart player. And... Look, everybody thinks they're good at Mario Kart. Yes, everyone you're played, totally right. Everyone played every day in college. Yes. But I'm going to say that I, I'm pretty damn good myself. Wow. I think we need to set up some type of match. Are you talking about N64 Mario yes, Kart? Yes, yeah, yes. That's, that's the, the only real one. one. Yeah. I can't explain to you the amount of time we put in N64 in college. <laughs> Please <laughs> tell me you were gambling. On but there was always something. It wasn't necessarily money. No, no college kids have any money. So yeah. um, <laughs> it was maybe how to do the dishes or who had to cook or yeah. something like that. But... We always played something, um, but we would play for three, four, five hours a day. One on one. We would do three on three. It would be yeah. It would be all. It would it'd be one on one, and we'd do like best of five series there, yeah. or we would the three of us would race. Kevin Spooner is the other one, um, and he was so Spooner and Nick were head and shoulders above anybody I've ever seen. Wow. Like, and I would get beat all the time by them, but yeah. no one's ever beat me. So it just shows how much better they are. Mm. They are legitimately like top five, top 10 in the world. We need to figure something out uh, when you come east because I have my N64 in the apartment. I'll bring it into the office. We'll put it on a projector. But I, I, what's funny about Mario Kart is the difference between having two people and having three people is a huge difference. It's a huge difference, you're right, make. because the items that you get in second place, if it's just head-to-head, <laughs> is incredible. And then there's so much strategy that people don't understand and yep. item placement when you use the items – what items you get. Yeah. Obviously, if you're in first, you just get screen shells or you get a couple just boosters. But um, And then, you know, it all depends on the courses too. Like I'm yeah. better at a couple courses. And then if we play like Bowser Castle is one of the like most technical best yes. courses. Yes. Yeah. Next Very year. difficult. I need, a, I need a lightning to put them in the lava at the end of the race. Otherwise, I'm just too far behind. So Koopa Trooper Beats is one of our favorites because it requires the jump through. Right. Um, I hope people listening to this can really relate because this is speaking to 18 year old Sean in a lot of ways right now. No, there's so much more to it than people think. And like, like you said, we just asked you, don't ask you what's the difference between you two in Mm. golf. Can you quantify the difference between or qualify the difference between you and Nick in cart? So his drifting ability is he gets more drifts in per turn than I can. Normally I'm kind of a one drift guy, get one boost. He'll do it three or four around a corner. And over the course of three laps, that is way beyond me there. Um, I also get like tight. Like if I'm beating him on the third lap, like I'm, ner- but it's, I get, I get tight. I get nervous. Rainbow so, road. The road starts looking see, a little narrower. The Rainbow and- road is even the worst track ever because there's just too <laughs> much crap. It's like, it's, it's too long of a race. There's not enough technical stuff going on there. But he's the other thing is like, sometimes he'll just like sit in second for a while and wait till he gets an item and then he'll just outrace me and then he'll use oh. the item at the end. So there's a lot. I don't know. There's, it's true. If you're sitting in second with a red shell, like coming down the stretch, yeah, you're even. You know, if you get a star or lightning, you're just holding in the in the pocket all day yeah. because you can outrace somebody. That's that's a little better. So this is a golf podcast, but yeah, I'm glad that we had that. Uh, yeah, Nick Nicky T. So he, he has an N64 home in Scottsdale. Uh, my wife got me mine a couple years ago for Christmas. So um, we don't play as often as he just had a kid too. So that was really really Sweet ruining our time. But well, exactly. So that's. We still spend a little bit of time, but um, I have not seen anybody be able to beat him, and I, no one's been able to beat me consistently. Obviously, wow. I've lost before, okay. but not not on a regular basis. I've, are you qualified for Wingfoot? I'm not yet. Okay. When that happens, we'll have you come over to the office out east. And Sounds like we can handle this. Throw something down. Perfect. Um, do you miss Seattle? I miss a lot of things about Seattle. Um, the weather is obviously not great. Um I love the downtown area. Mm-hmm. Um, have some good friends up there, but uh, I like I love Scottsdale. I love the Phoenix okay. area. I love the weather, the food, the restaurants, the the people are fun. Um, 
yeah, it's great to go back for a Seahawks game. Yeah. Uh, I went back to one. You know, it's good to see some family up there, but I like it better when they visit me most of the time. I asked for a reason because uh, local qualifying this year is at Gold Mountain. Ooh, and, great golf oh, yeah. course. Well, I, and... Um, and I want Dylan to go there because I tend to caddy for this Dylan. This local for U.S. Open. I'm also going to be playing at Winged Foot, so... Awesome. Well, <laughs> uh, what's the, And wait, what's the one out in Eastern... Washington, the oh Gamble Sands, Gamble probably. Sands, they yeah. have one also. That's out in the middle of nowhere. So, Gold Mountain is an incredible track. They could probably host a U.S. Open there. Yeah. It's so good. Yeah, um, I actually won the state amateur there in 07. So, um, yeah, but a lot of a lot of good a lot of good golf courses in that area. Mm-hmm. But there's actually a lot of good players as well. Sneaky amount. Okay. So there's a bunch of people with Washington connections on tour. Yeah, there's a lot more than people probably realize how many have come out of there through the years. But Ryan Moore is probably the best one lately. Obviously, Freddie Couples is a Seattle guy. And then Rick Fair's one out here on tour and the Putnam family. Mm-hmm. So they're always been, yeah, there's there's a lot of, Scott Harrington's a Northwest guy. Plenty of us. You weren't expecting to play in the U.S. Open last year or to qualify. Um, you were in Columbus. Maybe, maybe, maybe. Um, I was were, I I was expecting to qualify before I teed off that day. Yes, at one point in the day, you're you're not expecting to get through. Um, yeah, my, I think I bogeyed two of my last five or something. Yeah. Completely, completely crumbled. All I wanted to do, I had never played a U.S. Open before, and Pebble's my favorite place on earth. And um, I accidentally looked at the leaderboard like an idiot, and uh, I completely crumbled down the stretch. But um, yeah, Sayota was hard, anyways. But I had a I just hit a long on eighteen. I lipped out a chip, and I thought. Thought that was it. I thought, and then I got to a playoff, and it was a ten for one playoff, maybe a twelve for one, and somehow made it through there. Jeez, I uh, I asked that because it was the Columbus, Ohio playoff, right? Correct. Yeah. And from afar, that place looks like an interesting, kind of odd um, place on the tour schedule, the greater golf schedule, because it is absolutely packed uh, as far as pros and elite players yeah sir and you get a lot of people to get through mm -hmm. but it is so packed and you know from our little cubicles in new york it seems like a pretty cool and weird yeah you got a bunch of studs that don't usually play monday qualifiers playing a monday qualifier yeah it is it's a week after it's a monday after jack's tournament yes the, the memorial so you have a ton of that field is playing in it and then you get like all of the best other players want to get in that field because you they give out so 12 nice. to 15 spots maybe a year. And so if you play well, you're going to get through, but you're also basically playing at a t- tour event. Yeah. Um, does it feel like a tour event or does it feel different? It feels different because you get guys like carry bags, shorts, and just like, I didn't play a practice around any of the courses. So you're just kind of like, hopefully you get hot that day. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, I mean, there's plenty of nerves coming. I mean, especially for for guys who, who haven't played US Open before like me or, you know, Wingfoot's obviously an incredible site that people want to play at. So I think that adds to it a little bit as well. Um, I think you probably saw more people try to play last year because it was at Pebble. Yeah. Um, and you, you'll it's see those things as well. So when, uh, when the USGA goes to elite course, they go to Pinehurst or anything. Yeah. The total participants jump by like 10%. Right. I, don't, I mean, I imagine oh, yeah. participants like Aaron Hills, I'm sure, was down. I don't think I tried to qualify that year. I was like, I don't wow. know where this is. And Sean's from Wisconsin, yeah. so this is like a personal it's okay. attack. It's okay. You're not the I first mean, person maybe, who said maybe that. Maybe it's a great golf course. I don't know. <laughs> I think, uh, I, think I, I prefer the very traditional. Like I think the U.S. Open should go to a rotation like Ooh, the like the Open Championship. I subscribe to this. So what maybe, courses? What courses qualify for your rotation? Um, I mean, I have I've only played a few, but Congressional's got to be on there. Um, what's the one else? What's the good one outside of Philly? Um, Marion, Marion, Marion. Um, I mean, Wingfoot's on there. Pebble, Tory's a great U.S. Open setup. Okay. Um, because that's what it's going to be. Oakmont's the other one in Pennsylvania. Oakmont has got to be on there. On there. Shinny. Pinehurst. Shinnecock. The is problem great. is that our list is already getting long. <laughs> right, exactly. Like, I don't know. So I'm more of like, I want long rough. Um, I want even part of win. So okay. when the Chambers Bay to me, even though it's a Seattle or Northwest course, not a um, huge fan no. of it. Aaron Hill's not a huge fan of it. So just on TV, I haven't played those. I've yeah. played Chambers, but I want the US Open to be a absolute grind fest and just. If you hit it in the rough, you shouldn't be able to hit it on the green almost. Yeah. Make it nearly unfair. Our colleague, Michael Bamberger, I think he wants a three-course rotation, right? Pebble, Oakmont, Shinnecock. Yeah. I think that's his Okay, proposal. I mean, that's a little limited, but I think there's something. Oh, uh, how many are on the Open Championship? It's like maybe 11. Yeah, like I think that. it's fair. And you can add like 
like last year at Port Rush was added in, yes. like obviously after That's a long time, but you could slip that in the rotation and maybe yeah. what, however it works out. But mm-hmm. I think it's definitely worth it. Do you think uh, your opinion about the U.S. Open being around even par, winning score, you know, it's always a goal, but do you think that opinion is shared among your peers? I think they want it to be a test, obviously probably the most dif- difficult yeah. test of the year, but people are so good now. You almost have to trick it up a hair. Yeah. You have to make it very borderline. And every time it's been borderline, people have complained about it. (laughs) Yeah. Which, I mean, I haven't been around long enough and I'm obviously not, you know, on the upper echelon out here, but great. Make it, make it like you can three putt some holes from four feet. Like that's fine. It's one week a year and you will identify the best player at the end of that week. I'm not jealous of the USGA having to try. I'm not either. And I think that you like the way that. The setup was Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday last year at Pebble was awesome. So firm, so fast. Yeah. I know that a little weather came in and it got like kind of foggy, and yeah. mm-hmm. but and they definitely rain. watered the greens yeah. between Wednesday and Thursday. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know what won last year, 10 to 12 maybe? 13. 13. Yeah, yeah, so. That final and they say it's it's short or whatever, but I mean, you saw Pebble just this last Sunday, firm with the wind blowing. Gosh, it was a little cold. struggled. And I, I shot... I was in 40th start in the day. I shot two under and moved to 14th. Yep. That's awesome. That is awesome. How many people were under par on Sunday? I think only a handful. Speed yeah. shot five. There's a couple of three. Yeah. There was a couple of the two. And then that was it. Yeah. So the I final couple of groups, people were just leaking that oil back down the stretch. I mean, even the so leaders, fun. like Nick bogeyed 11, 12, and doubled 14. And didn't lose on Phil. Right, all. exactly. <laughs> so I think that's fine. Pebble can play awesome as long as it's firm. And there's – you just narrow the rough – Narrow the fairways, make the rough long, firm the greens up, and any golf course gets hard. If you're commissioner of the PGA Tour, eh, commissioner of golf, period. Wow. Sounds like that's on your list. What else? What else are you doing on day one of your administration? We're going to speed up golf somehow. I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. The real answer is when you have a 156-man field, it's going to be slow out there. So this week's 120. Um. But this place always kind of plays slow. It plays tough because people try to reach all the par fives, but exactly. if you miss in the wrong spot, you're making five because you're not going to get up and down around here a lot. Ten is the hardest par four in the world, I think, and it's 300 yards. So um, there's just spots that take a long time, and we're playing for a lot of money. So it's okay if you do take some time, but you know there's certain players out here that take forever, mm-hmm. and that shouldn't, especially on just kind of your average shots or whatever, that should be picked up. And I think our pace of play policy going forward will be better, but um, you got to find a way to speed up the game but make it more fun for everybody. And I don't, if it's the whole thing of golf, I mean, I'm like installing speakers into golf carts. Yeah. Um, there'll be more liquid out there for people to have fun with. And um, it's important whatever, to stay maybe. hydrated. I, I don't, yeah. yeah. It's, you got to be very hydrated out there. So. Um, somehow make it more fun. Whatever that is to each golf course, uh, some days make it impossible to play. Like just know that Friday afternoons we're going to make crazy pins and you can go play if you want. And then maybe a super easy setup on Mondays. It's okay to move tees around, play the, play the forward tees one day, play the back tees one day. It's like, just kind of know, cause golf can be very monotonous. Same thing over and over again. And anything to shake up the game would be so is the tour monotonous? Is the tour schedule? It can be very Groundhog Day out here. Yeah. Um, and I say that in the best way possible, but like you show up Monday, maybe you register, maybe you practice a little. Tuesdays, you're either playing nine holes, play 18 if you're not in the pro-am, get your practice in. The club people are going to tell you to try new clubs, whatever it is. Go to dinner. You wake up Wednesday. You're either in the pro-am or you're not. Like today, I played 18 this morning. Take the afternoon off. And then it's like, all right, wake up. Podcast. Two hours before, you PT, you work out, you play golf, you go to dinner, you go to sleep, and it's repeat over and over again. Now, golf obviously varies every day because your shots can go everywhere. but yeah. And that changes. But the actual day-to-day out here can be very monotonous. And um, How do you personally try to break that up? I mean, I'm lucky. I have my wife travels, who's a ton of fun. She's a foodie. She makes me go. Nice. We go to different restaurants every week. Nice. Um, she finds the holes in the wall. We're not always going to the nice steakhouse and having a nice glass of wine. Now that is always fun, but it's always like the hole in the wall. Maybe the little taco joints or food trucks this week in Santa Monica are great to go to. We had one of the best food trucks I've ever had the other night mm. at Santa Monica Brew Works. Yeah. yeah, I mean, little things like that is so much more fun to test like the local flair things and just kind of be around. Because if you can just watch Netflix, sit in your hotel room and yeah. do it over again. And that 
is okay every now and then. Like I can see how people want to do that. But for us, we have an opportunity to travel the world, see cool places. Um, and I make sure, or my wife makes sure that, that we do that. And then to have, we try to have, we hang out with a lot of friends out here. We, we're, we're close with the Taylors, hang out with Adam Long a lot. Corey Connors and his wife are great. Um, Gino and his caddy buddies are always fun. If you need to, if you want to break it up, just go have dinner with caddies for a I night. I need to meet Gino because we follow each other on Twitter. Ooh. It's one of those things that you don't, it's a social media friendship and nothing more. He's a special friend. Yeah, he's, uh, he's great. I mean, just just the little adventures he finds himself in every week is, is interesting. And whether it's staying at some crappy hotel with rats running around or his Chipotle adventure the other day where he couldn't find a parking spot and had to walk forever. Like, he's always into something. I mean, he's a guy <laughs> Chipotle from... Chipotle parked way far away. Yeah, exactly. Because he's California, right? There's no place to park or you got to pay 20 bucks for parking. And he's a guy from northern Idaho, small town guy. He's grew up in a logging family. So, like, any of this city life for him is kind of... he's. He always finds something that's, that is unusual. You guys do have a different player caddy relationship, it seems like, than a lot of the guys out here. A lot of a lot of the relationships, it seems like, are transactional. You know, it's a job. This guy totally. agrees on a deal. He's here right. to carry the bag, etc. You guys have more fun than that, it seems like. Yeah, I'm very, very lucky to have him that he decided to... He convinced me that he would be a good caddy and join me on the web.com at the time, now the Corn Ferry Tour, but you don't make any money out there. And he was leaving a pretty secure desk job back home. Um, he just had his first little one. Um, Hudson's now six, I think, or almost six. So his wife had a flexible job, thankfully, but no one like signs up to go caddy on the web tour. Like you have to be a little bit crazier. You don't have a family at home, but he believed in me and and thought I was good enough. And, uh, sometimes believed in me more than myself, which is huge. But, um, why do you think he believed in you? I mean, I beat him so bad for so long back home. I mean, we grew up being buddies and he was always, he's still a great player, but um, I don't know why. I mean, he had no, like, it's not like he'd been around other tour players, even like, I don't even know if he'd been to a tour event before. So I don't know what he was measuring me against per se, but um, for every reason, he thought I was good enough and um, thankfully he was right. Yeah. So we're six years in now and um, we do have a blast. So Gino cares more about me than any golf shot I'll hit which is different than almost any other caddy where it's a business for them out here. They make money off how they're obviously how their player. And Gino does too. I mean, he's living and dying with every shot, but he, he wants me to be happy and uh, he does everything he can to help me. And a lot of times that has nothing to do with golf. It's grabbing my laundry and helping me out with that, or, you know, just pulling me aside and we'll go have a beer or something after the round. And it's like, it's just really fun to have the friendship and, um, you know, when you've been buddies for 20-ish yeah. years. and um, Did you see uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? No. Dang. I'm not a big movie guy. Rory was just saying he loved it. Rory is apparently a huge oh. like Hollywood movie guy. Brad Pitt plays essentially the role of a caddy throughout that movie because Leo is the main actor both in the movie and in the Hollywood version, like area of the movie. And Brad Pitt is his stunt double. And he just like drives his car wherever he goes, drops him off at places. Oh, I might have watched a part of that on a flight one time. Didn't it have something to do with like the Manson girls? Yeah. Yes. Yes. What? Did that oh, have dude, any part to do with movie. it? I don't want to ruin it for you. Oh, I'll never watch it. But if you're it. not a movie guy. All right. So you mentioned that Gino believed in you so much and maybe even more so than you did. When did you finally know that you were good enough to be a PGA Tour player? Or do you know that? I think it's always like a questioning thing probably. I mean, uh, I didn't have the pedigree a lot of these guys – I mean, I was a good junior player from my area. I had plenty of scholarship offers in college and so went through a bit of a trying time through then. But um, I always had the talent. Maybe sometimes I don't hit as many balls or chip and putt as often as I should. But I think it took my full rookie year. I had no idea if I was good enough out here. I played 16 events. I think I only made five or six cuts and was bad. Um, didn't think I, I clearly wasn't good enough to compete out here. And um Got my car back through the web tour finals, um, kind of slapped it around again for a while. And something, I don't know where I played well. The first time I really played well, I finished fifth at Greenbrier and then the next week, second at Deer. And I locked up my car and I was like, wow, I just did that back to back weeks and it didn't seem that hard. So I think it's always a chicken or the egg. Like, do you have confidence? Do you believe? And yeah, because winning breeds confidence. Yeah, exactly. It's like, well, but you got to believe in first to do it. And I think that. Um, you know, I, I had continually gotten better and smarter about how I played things, maybe played more within myself and 
I'm not going to get to every par five and two and maybe, you know, play a little bit smarter in that sense. Play play more to my game instead of trying to play the power game out here. And so little things like that added up and just getting better and better. But once you do it once or twice, you're like, oh, I can do it out here. And then you see a lot of your friends who maybe you practice with and you are as good as they are. And you're like, man, that guy just won. I should be able to do that. Well, that reminds me, you took second at Wells Fargo mm-hmm. last year Correct. to someone who you're very close to, literally yeah. in proximity, your neighbor, yeah. Max Homa. Does it make it easier to get over taking second when it's your neighbor? Yeah, <laughs> like it wasn't like I like bogey the last hole or something. Like he played great. I think he shot five under on Sunday. I shot a couple under. So it wasn't like I didn't beat myself, which no. kind of was my goal going into that weekend was it's the first time I'd been. That was a stacked leaderboard too. There was yeah. a lot of good players. There was Rory was breathing down her neck. Uh, Duffner, Rose was right there. Sergio was in the mix. So it wasn't like we were playing against the nobodies. And then, um, you know, your confidence kind of grows as you're hanging around and you're still competing and you're kind of, I think I was tied for the lead maybe with nine to play or 10 to play. Okay. Uh, I made a couple of bogeys in the middle and he made a couple of birdies. And so I don't think I really had a legit chance to win with five or six to play, but yeah. um, just to hold off the other guys and to, to make some good parts coming down. Then that was when I knew I could, compete with the best of the best mm-hmm. when i was playing well i could play with anybody out here um and that that's been good i haven't played great since then i haven't been back in that position yet but um i'm not afraid of being there i guess is, a, is another okay. thing i'm not afraid of the position the other thing with that is like man if i make a bowie coming down the stretch it's not like i'm gonna lose my house or i can't pay for my car or i can't do these things like we're financially well off yeah. I believe that I'll be out here for 10, 15 more years. So I don't have to worry about like each event is like potentially yeah. my last thing where I'm like, oh man, if I don't do this, I'm going to lose my car type of thing. I'm, I'm comfortable enough out here with my game and I believe in myself enough that I'll always be out here. It's about kind of taking the next line of top 50 in the world and tour championship and things like that. So does any one do any players intimidate you out here anymore i'm tigers always gonna be the intimidator <laughs> you played with him i did i got to play with him a couple years ago and he couldn't have been better to play with um he helped with that a little bit by just talking and acting like a normal guy but um just the crowds and they're so big you know on very few times i get to play in front of that many people when now those rory and jt and ram and those great players they see him all the time you know they're all they're all buddies back home and so that probably takes a lot of it away but um, I wouldn't be intimidated by probably anybody else. I mean, it's not like they can play defense on me, like, and they can hit it past me, and they can do all this, but they can't play defense. It's not like yeah. I got to go against like Matumbo or something in the paint. Yeah. So <laughs> we, as far we as that's concerned, that often when we when we try to like make golf seem like other sports, yeah, you know, talking about the distance debate, we talked about it as if like Steph Curry is bringing the distance in, in basketball further away from the hoop, sure. or Michael Phelps with a you know a different type of swimsuit. We forget that there's no defense in goal. Right. And I think Nick Taylor last week and Phil is a good example. They're mono, basically a match play situation. Yep. And if I'm Phil, I'm thinking, oh, this kid's going to lay down on me. He hasn't yeah. won in six years. It was only Sanderson Farms. This guy's, whatever, 250th in the world, kind of hanging on to his card the last couple of years. Phil's won at Pebble five times. Five. Yeah, he's like the mayor of Pebble type of thing. <laughs> Everyone loves Phil. And yeah, I think Nick was four and through six. He hooped the bunker shot on six. And Phil's probably thinking, Oh, this kid's not going anywhere. Like, oh, darn. Like, um, people are more, I think the social media world as well kind of creates you closer to, I mean, I follow all the famous people out here, whatever. And it's like, oh, like, I know what he's doing kind of in a weird day to day life. I don't know what it is. So it's not like there's a secret thing anymore. Tiger's still very, I don't know if secretive is the right word, but there's always this mystique around Tiger. And I don't care. And everyone feels that when he walks into to the to the lunch area or breakfast, or he walks in the training area, or just on a range, like it is a different feeling, and it's for everybody. Everyone's looking at him. Yeah, but it's awesome. <laughs> it is so cool. And like, yeah, it's cool to be around the other great players, but there's nothing like being in a room with Tiger. It's funny. Even uh, I read an interview with Rory the other day where he was talking about just how bummed he was after the 2018 Tour Championship when Tiger yeah, had his first that. win back. And he was just saying like he went home and he was just crushed because he was like, I know I can beat this guy. Yeah. But it's like, Rory, of course you can beat this guy. (laughs) You know, like you've been better than him for better part of a decade, but he still was just, he was like disappointed in himself. So even Rory, who's, if he's not the second most famous golfer, he's definitely top five. Sure. Feels that effect. Yeah. There's certainly the effect. Um, But even like, uh, you know, you watch like Morikawa, Wolf, Hovland, People forget about Doc Redman, who got his card last yeah. year off of nowhere. Um, so 
I think he won the USM here. He did, yeah. So he can't, you aren't as intimidated. Like the rookies aren't scared anymore because they've been around people more. They've been, you know, the high, they've had 10 tour starts by the time they get on as an actual tour player. Yeah. They play as an amateur, they get all that stuff. So um, they're not shell shocked by the whole thing. And you, you see it with all these young players coming out anymore. There's no like, oh, this guy's a rookie or a first year player. You know, he's never been in this position before. It's like, well, it's just not the same as I don't feel like there's no like, like a there's not like a rookie wall or anything that you have to get over. It's just like these guys See, are ready to win. I think that has to still apply. The rookie wall thing has to apply to some people though. Um, well, there you're right. So, a guy like me coming out to the tour, I was like nothing prepares you for the tour. Like yeah. you can't, like the web tour is great and stuff, or the corn fairy tour is great, but you're playing against like you're playing around a couple hundred people. Like the yeah. the Monday through Sunday is the same, but you're playing for a lot less money and there's not, nobody really cares except for your family. So, yeah. um, do you know yeah. Joseph Bramlett at all? Uh, I played a year or two at college with him and then I actually just played with him a couple of weeks ago. Okay. Cause he, we talked to them yesterday and he said that you, you can never be prepared for the amount of like learning steps that rookie yeah. year on tour. That's fair. And so, yeah, there's with, like, there's with those rookies. guys. Now they have so many, well, they're coming out with a million dollar signing bonus as it is. And then they have four or five people around them to help them out. It's not like, you're just wandering around out here lost. Yeah. It's like everything is all taken care of when you're one of those studs. Now, yeah. there's plenty of rookies who are still coming out or first-year guys who are really trying to settle in. And you see that for a while until they do settle in. There's plenty of great players. And then you can kind of see them as the year goes on settle in. Um, yeah. And there's guys like Harry Higgs, who's a rookie, who just kind of flows <laughs> about himself and is like doesn't care who you are or where you've been or what you're doing. He's just going to play golf and probably beat you. So Well, and I think there's something also, too, if you – have experienced the minor leagues of pro golf, there may be an opportunity to like build up the PGA tour into something even more. Absolutely. Like I remember Absolutely. We, we had to sit down with a few young guns last year, Cam Champ, Joaquin Neiman, Sam Burns. And I remember we asked them like, all right, so when, like, when did you know that, you know, you're good enough to play on PGA? And, and they're like, I don't know, always. always like, yeah, like that's just what they <laughs> did. They're just all like Americans. My they were the best juniors. They're all Americans in college. And this is what they're doing. Like, so For there's doubt, but not in the same way that, you know, maybe if you're yeah, staying I mean, at a Motel 6 and driving around Canada or playing the e-golf tour. Yeah. Or, That's the totally, because then you build it up to this incredible thing where, and it is that much bigger, but it's also when you're between the ropes, it's just golf. Yeah. Like it is a seven iron, still a seven iron, 150 yards is still 150 yards. It's like the Hoosier stuff. That basket's still 10 feet tall. Yeah. Like I don't, it's that. still the same, but getting to that point and getting over everything else that goes on outside the ropes is mm -hmm. it can take a while for some people are you still learning within the golf world i imagine generically yes you're always learning sure but like, maybe the better question is what are you learning in this last 12 months about golf about your game that you didn't maybe know over the 10 years prior? well i'm still learning that i'm pretty good at golf like i'm probably better than i believe i am um I mean, every metric shows that, but it's like, well, how good do well, I don't know. I believe I'm good when I'm good, but like, yeah. I've had a couple, like I had a couple top tens this year already. I'm like, oh, that was, I played well, but like nothing, like that could be like a regular thing for me is like top 15s all the time and yeah. top tens instead of like, you know, plucking in three or four a year. It's like, no, that you should, you should expect to play this well. But you've said you'll never be a top 10 player in the world. I won't. Do be. I don't that? hit it far enough. Um, I mean, Zach Johnson maybe got there. There's a couple of Stricker who had an incredible career, but Webb Simpson's in the top. Webb 10 Webb right Simpson now. is unbelievable, and no. I don't know how he does it. Like, it's so ugly and it's so good at the same time. <laughs> True. But he believes in himself over everything, and it, it really is about a lot of belief. But he just sticks to what he does. He hits it straight. He's a great putter now. I know he worked through that for a while. He's a great wedge player, and he just owns it, and that's what he does. I think mentally, he has to be just. So He's so dominant. good. I mean, for him to come down the stretch like that at Phoenix and birdie the last two, and um, I mean, that's incredible. And then there's guys like Finau, who are like, man, he should win every week. Yeah. Once he does win, which is really hard to do, I think he's going to win a lot more. But there's this line of like, man, if maybe he had done it once or twice already, like yeah. you would think in that position, like other top 10 players in the world would never lose that. Yeah, that's true. And not like Tony didn't lose it, but he didn't win it. I mean, he obviously didn't win. So it's like a... It's a whole tough thing. I don't know. I mean, I top ten in the world is pretty much a stretch. I think if I made tour tour championship four or five times in my career, that'd be pretty good. 
I'd love to hang around the top 50 in the world. That gives you a lot of perks as well. And I think I can do that. Yeah. The, uh, it's funny how we, we can get lost uh, looking at the trees without looking at the forest in golf a lot, especially when you look at the top players in the world. I mean, Spieth is Is that now, the expression? You get lost in the trees for the forest, whatever the hell it is. I'm, yeah. Go on. Look. <laughs> I just wanted to kind of give you a hard time because I think you twisted it around, but I, I like I actually, it. Actually, the, the record will show I think that that was sound. But uh, Spieth is like right around 50, mm-hmm. and, and Day is a little bit higher than that. But if you'd have told me in 2015 when those guys are coming down the stretch at Whistling Straits that in five years, four and a half years, that they would not be in the top 10. Right. I no one would believe you. Right, exactly. Um, and that's what I mean. Like we get caught in the day-to-day freaking out about what's happening right now. And it's it's tough, man. You have to ride the waves of the entire season. Have to. Yeah, absolutely. And it can be week to week. I mean, you know, it's golf. It's shot to shot almost. It's like, oh, I'm the greatest player in the world. Oh, I'm the worst player in the world. It's like it can go like even last week at Pebble, I was pretty down the first couple of days because I was playing well. I expected to play well there. Um, I love everything about the place. And then I just wasn't getting the ball in the hole. Yeah. And um, all of a sudden, you played great on Saturday and played great on Sunday. All of a sudden, you're like, wow, that wasn't that hard. Like, stop. But <laughs> I think that Spieth is a very much a big picture guy as well. He's like, yeah. what's he, 26 or 27? He is yeah. 26. It's like, guys, like, let's like, hold on. I've had like 18 months here of maybe not so great golf and tweaking here and tweaking this. And um, I don't know. It, it's... Like, Dave's been injured quite a bit, right? That's, like, yeah. off and on with injuries and stuff. But um, it just shows how hard golf is. Do you think, think that most guys on tour are happy? And like, wow, that's like, a great question. And oh, like being on tour? Because you sound happy. I think a lot of guys take this for granted. And when one little thing isn't perfect that week, they can kind of be a whiny baby about the whole thing. <laughs> And I don't necessarily have anybody and because I, I can be that way. I mean, I've certainly gone like you, you know, for a week or so, you're, you're just not happy or something's not going your way or the hotel you're at's not perfect or the dining or the rain, yeah. whatever it is. Like you can just it's easy to go down that road. Um, and those are when you need a week off, go home, take a week off and realize that this is pretty good out here. So I think it's easy to get caught up in, the, in that and maybe go down that road a little bit of not maybe appreciating everything is out here. Um, and I think way too many players, and this is for amateurs as well, that golf, the score dictates who they are and how they feel way too much. Yeah, the fun that they have. Yeah, which is just, I get out here, like it is completely results-oriented. This is our livelihood. It's how you make money. It's like, but same time, man, it's just golf. Mm-hmm. And we get to do this on the biggest stage in the world at the best places in the world. So, um People lose perspective out here easily, pretty quickly. And you see it sometimes with with younger guys who have success early and then they kind of lose it. And then maybe it takes, you know, they got to go back to the corn ferry for a year or something and come back and figure it out. But um, I'd say most people are happy out here. I mean, you play golf and most of us are wealthy and I know wealth doesn't make you happy, but. Yeah. Makes Um, makes things easier. Makes things easier. One less thing to worry about, right? Yeah, exactly. Who are some examples of guys with uh, really good mindsets mentalities seem to take things in stride or keep proper perspective um i was I mean, gonna go the I other way Webb with that is, one of, yeah who? i think webb is awesome i mean he's probably he's incredible and i don't i don't know those top guys really i think rory you can kind of see it in the last year or two the way Definitely. he's kind of changed his mindset and the way he's talked about in the media has been awesome mm-hmm. and uh well he was you I mean he at the masters last year said he was reading self-help books right he was meditating he had this guy, Dr. Skaggs, who's like a, like he comes from a, like a spine correction facility who's just talking to Rory about mentally how to keep your head moving forward. Right, right which is the biggest thing because it's like when you're on Rory's level, oh, why aren't you number one in the world? Why haven't you won a major in a couple of years? Oh, you haven't won the Masters for the Grand Slam. It's like, dude, come <laughs> on. Like this guy's a generational player. Like, and you can, obviously, and, and the media can, can, prop those up a little bit more than they that need to be probably. Yeah, that, that darn media. So, um, I'd say most people are pretty darn good about it out here. I was trying to think of some younger players that are really good just day to day. But I mean, most of it, if you're not, then you're not going to be out here for very long in some shape or form, unless yeah. you're freaky talented. But you can see there's not very many cons- top consistent players that are 
up and down, I guess yeah. I would say. I remember thinking that that like was Xander one... Shoffley's incredible, I think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I remember thinking one of the biggest differences of guys playing like the West Florida golf tour to even like the guys that were really good playing the Canadian tour was there, there would be guys in Bradenton that would just lose their mind right. after they made a bogey. Incredible talent could hit it a mile, like on the range looked like tour players, sure. but then they would just lose it. One thing would happen. They would freak out. And it's not that guys don't have tempers out here, but at least from a distance, it seems like, all right, you do what you need to do. You express your frustration, but then you have the wherewithal to bring it back. Absolutely. It's about not affecting your next shot. And Tiger was explosive, good and bad as anybody for a long time. I think he's probably toned down the, I mean, so gets mad at himself, but yeah. you don't see many people throwing temper tantrums out here that are top level or you know, every, people are going to have bad days, but um, everybody, I mean, you're going to cruise along. You're not going to know if they're playing too well or, or too bad. And I think that's, that's probably key. But the interesting point is Tiger Woods is the greatest player of all time. And he celebrated more and harder than anybody else in the history of golf. Mm-hmm. So why are more people doing that? Mm-hmm. I mean, you should like, yeah. if you hoop a 30 yeah. footer or for 16, like go crazy. Like not, don't do it on Thursday. You look like an idiot, but <laughs> on the weekend, why not? Yeah. Like you should celebrate. We hit so few great shots out here. You should celebrate them. And it's not, we always just get mad at the bad ones. And sure. you should, like, it's okay to high five your caddy mm-hmm. after, like, a good seven iron to 20 feet. Like, that's still a good shot. Is this a pump up talk for yourself? Should we be looking yes. for No, I celebrate plenty with Gino. <laughs> it's not always like outward stuff, but we talk, like, we do pretty have a positive talk out there. Sometimes I bait myself up, but no one knows that. It's under uh, the breath to Gino. I've got two more questions. Sure. The first one is a little more serious. Uh, just came up in my head is that Pebble last week, you played three different courses in four days and you played well this week. You'll play the same course four days. Uh, are you the type of player who might be more suited to an event like Pebble, which things kind of change up out of your control throughout the week? Or is it annoying that you have to prepare for three courses? No, I think I'm more, I don't know. That's an interesting question. I I like the week at Pebble. I like playing with amateurs. I know it's rare, but I don't know. It's a, it's normalcy, right? I mean, I play with amateurs every day yeah. at home. Like uh, those are my buddies. Like, so it's normal for me in that sense. Um, I enjoy, it takes you out of your game a little bit. Sure. Um, you maybe help look for a ball. Maybe you're trying to get out of the way of one or maybe, you know, whatever it is, you're helping them read a putt. So that part, like there's no reason Phil, he's won five times at Pebble. It's like, he's like probably the best pro-am partner of all time. Mm-hmm. Um, and then if there's just people who don't play cause they don't like the long rounds and maybe dealing with the other stuff. But, um, a week like this, it is nice. So day after day, you know exactly what's going. You're going to get out of the course this week. Yep. It's going to slightly change throughout the week, um, and that part. And everyone's playing it. Where last week, maybe it blew really hard on one course because it's on the water, and maybe it didn't yeah. blow as much on the other. So that's a little more of a crapshoot. But yeah. um, I kind of like the different stuff as well. This place does seem particularly mint. Also, it seems <laughs> like is, you guys have it pretty pretty good this week. I've never. I mean, I've only been here a couple times, but I'm hearing people they've never seen it better. Wow. Um, the rough is down. So normally the rough is up here. Rough is down. Is that not good for you? That's terrible for me. (laughs) I need people to hit it in the rough and not get it on the green. But the bombers are just (laughs) going to send it this week. The greens are perfect. They got the right amount of bounce. Um, Fairways are fat. I had a couple of balls like 330 today down down when the balls are rolling so far. So I think scores would be low this week. What are you doing on 10? Always send it. Yeah. I mean, the numbers show over the course of the last 10 years, it's always a send. But... If your drive's out of position, you just get it back in position. Don't try to hit the hero shot from there. But the problem is you can hit a perfect drive and be out of position. So it's getting too much. That front side is too, I guess it's been built up with sand over the years, like that front side. So they need to soften it, especially as fast as the greens are nowadays. Mm -hmm. So they should soften it a hair, but it's still a really good hole. Um, But there's a couple spots there. You can just, it's a little dicey. (laughs) Uh, My second question, which is hopefully way more fun, is that whenever we, we do a podcast with someone, we, we like to ask them about their Wikipedia page. Wow. Because you, most of you are famous enough to have a Wikipedia page. We are not. But You can make one. Building. We, no, we, building can make, we can make an adjustment to yours. That's my thing. Oh. I haven't looked at mine you in years. Looked at yours. Not in a long... I, I did. I think somebody's like, hey, you have a Wikipedia page. I'm like, this is cool. Yeah. But I haven't looked and in a long time. And that was it. Yeah, I haven't looked in a while. What can we add to yours? What is something that people don't know about you uh, that would be fun to add to your Wikipedia page? 
Maybe it's a story. Maybe it's... Mm. Mm. Most of my stories are... It's tough to put people on the spot there. Maybe that. Maybe it's the Mario Fun card. fact. I don't know. Are you the greatest golfer in the history of Eastern Washington? Ooh. I like that. Kirk Triplett is from Pullman. Went to high school at Pullman, Washington. Mm. So I got some catching up to do That's there. North of where you He's were? He's 30 minutes north of me. There's some good players out of Spokane, I think. Probably some real old school stuff. Guys that never made it out? Yeah. Well, no. That's a good question. I, w- I say that I should be at the end of my career. Okay. I plan to be. How's that? That's something um, to strive for. Wikipedia. Yeah, that one's tough. Probably need a couple of beers in me before the stories start coming out. But Next um, podcast. Yeah. Yeah, we can do one after dark. Podcast after dark. After after Mario Kart. After Mario Kart. Mario Kart, beverages. There is drinking Mario Kart as well. Oh, yeah. Birio Kart. I imagine mm-hmm. that was part of your Washington experience. Well, I yeah. I mean, Nick was number one in the world at the time, so he wasn't drinking nearly as much as the rest of us. But um, I I'm, did I did make sure that his weekend plans, if he was home, that we had a couple yeah, for him. See, I'm, I'm very good at Mario Kart. I, I will say that. But... You know, people call it Birio card or whatever. Mm. Not endorsed by the drop zone. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not good at that. I So I, you're bad I at drinking? I can't I can't slam like I, I get too focused on the game. I don't maybe I think I'm good at chugging a beer, but I can't figure out when to do it. That's a very good point. So round. we just play you have to your cart can't be moving while you're drinking Correct. and you have to finish a beer before the race is over. Correct. So some people just go right away, slam the whole thing. Which is interesting because then you get a lot of last place items, but maybe you get such a huge lead and then you go for the drink. Yeah, that's a good one. There is some strategy. Kind of maybe depends on the course as well. I don't know if Nick's going to do this one with us, but we'll get him on board. Uh, he owes me some celebrating. We He paid for good. dinner last night, which was nice of him, but I told him he's not getting off that easy. So we got we have some more, some more nights ahead of us, I believe. Love it. One last question because this is going to air right after the Genesis. How'd you play this week? And uh, what was the tournament like? (laughs) Uh, I made my first cut here at the Genesis. It was solid. I believe there's no reason I shouldn't have a top 20 this week. And if I putt well, I'll be sniffing the 10th place-ish finish. Wow. So uh, looks like I'm going to putt uh, average-ish. I'll probably finish around that 20, yeah. 25th mark. And you'll have or least, I did finish, I guess. At least two fans out there walking with you. <laughs> for how many days? We're going to be we'll pulling be for that T23 finish. Yeah. yeah. There will be really good Joel coverage on golf.com. Love it. I'll take it. <laughs> Let's leave it at that. Thanks for joining us, man. Happy to do it. Thanks, guys. All right. Major thanks to Joel Damon. Insightful dude. Like, a lot of fun. One of the best quotes on the PGA Tour. That's why we had to ask him, why are you one of the best quotes on the PGA Tour? And a hot player, too. Yeah. Top 20 and then T5. Yeah. Solid. If you liked that interview with Joel, we would love it if you would leave us a five-star rating, maybe a nice, shiny review on the iTunes page, and uh, we will have great stuff coming back from the Drop Zone as soon as next Monday. Thanks for listening.